turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Find yourself in the shadow of death? Job found himself there. In fact, it's recorded for us in chapter 17. Let's take a look at how he responds to it, that we might glean some wisdom along the way. Abounding Grace is next. And again, greetings in Christ. Welcome. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Our survey of Job is a rather lengthy one, but it is rich with help along the way when we find ourselves in those tough, tough situations that have us at sorrow's end, as it were. Job finds himself in the shadow of death here in chapter 17. How he responds and what we can glean from it is the subject of our time today. Join us. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Psalm 119, 126 says, It is time for thee, O Lord, to work, for they have made void your law. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. You see, we have God's own promise that if, when he is testing us and sifting us, bringing difficulty into our life, great difficulty or small difficulty, that if we hold fast to him and to his word and keep our hands clean in obedience to him, there is a reward for the righteous right now in our lives. It may seem like the wicked are prevailing and having all the fun. Well, that is a lie, and it is short-lived. It is a fleeting pleasure. God promises, hold on to my way, hold on to godliness, seek clean hands, and you will go from strength to strength. Of course, the world laughs at this. No, join with us. Come on, don't be so serious, man. Join in with our fun. Make making a profit everything, or possibly sex. If you must have a God, make it technology or media or or science or friends or hobbies or whatever it may be. But don't serve the God who afflicts the righteous. Don't listen to the scripture when they speak of heaviness. Beloved, these are sirens of death. When you hear this kind of stuff, you should hear a fire truck blaring its siren and say, I got to get out of here. These people are... These people, are who are, these people are completely missing the whole point of life. Our only remedy in affliction is to submit ourselves into God's hands. The more he chastens us, the more we humble ourselves. We repent of our sins and we seek obedience to him. Do men mock praying today? Of course they do. Let me give you some advice. Pray more. Do men mock fathers who read the Bible to their family and have learned that crazy little word that everybody is so fearful to say today? No. Say it more when necessary and read the Bible more. Do they mock 
We know our culture does. Women who carefully guard their homes like Paul talks about and like Proverbs 31. And, you know, we could go on and on with this. You know, teenagers, you are great targets. Companies spend literally billions upon billions encouraging you to fill their pockets with money for various things that are out there to lure you away from what is important in life, your relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember, pleasure is not a rite of passage. Rebellion and doing your own thing is not a rite of passage. So what are we to do in the midst of all these things? We are to run to Jesus and ask Him to defend us. And we are to plug our ears against these things. Because evil company does corrupt good morals. And every single one of us in this room are surrounded with the bad manners and the lifestyles of those who will not listen to God and obey Him. We have to plug our ears. Oh, yes, we have to love. We have to serve. We have to pray for our enemies and do them good according to the word of God. But at a deep level, we've we've got to guard against the eroding of our souls. Job says here, hold on to the right way. Remember, Jesus is fullness of grace. Jesus is joy. He's the gate. He's the door. He's the good shepherd. He's our life So when you feel like fainting, cling to Him, beloved. I can't do this for you. You chew young people, your daddy can't do this for you. So how do you cling to Jesus? You get your Bible, you lay it out in front of you, and you read it, and you pray over what you read. If you read a promise from God, Lord, give me the peace and grace to believe it because I'm struggling. If it is a command, Lord, give me the grace to obey because I don't have the strength in and of myself. If it is a warning, Lord, give me humility before you because in the Bible, God has given you life and he is saying, this is where your strength is because my word is eternal and it is settled in heaven. The angels know this book, beloved. Do you? It doesn't even particularly pertain to the angels the same way it does to us. And yet, when they come down from heaven, they quote Scripture. It's not just an old book. This is the living Word of the living God. And as we read it and meditate on it and pray and seek it, God changes us and He strengthens us. Now, I do not believe, not for one minute, that anyone who seriously seeks Christ like that and calls upon Him, that He will just let Him go. I don't believe it. It is impossible, for He will not forsake those who truly seek Him. You might say, well, I've been seeking Him, and He's not answering me. Well, maybe you haven't been seeking Him as good as you think you have. Maybe you've been seeking Him with ulterior motives. In James 4, he warns that you pray for things you want only so you have what you want. I want my wife to be better, my husband, or my children. I want this or that for myself, and God doesn't answer those prayers. So you think, well, God doesn't care about me. No, that is not the right conclusion. 
The conclusion is you haven't learned that you don't come to God on your terms, with your demands, with your expectations. You are to come to Him saying, Lord, I'm yours. Save me. I have nothing. And He says, open your mouth and I will fill it. The Job is struggling in verses 11 through 16. These could well be engraved on a tombstone. And I think on one level, Job is speaking his epitaph right now. He says, my life is over. Verse 11, my purposes are broken off. Even the preparation are thoughts of my heart. Now, all of this has taken place over a week or two. You realize that? This hasn't been going on over a long period of time. Remember, his friends were with him seven days talking with him. We shouldn't think that this has been going on for months. This is all happening in a relatively short period of time. And he says in verse 12, It's like a curtain of darkness has descended on my life. What am I waiting for? The grave is my home. My bed is darkness. Verse 14 is really somewhat of a capstone of drama. He says, I have looked at corruption and the worm. I've looked at my rotting corpse in the ground and I have said, You are my father, my mother, and my sister. That is where Job is. He doesn't feel there is much left for him. There's no hope for me at all, he says. That's in verse 15. He says, where is my hope? As for my hope, who will see it? Job thinks he's about to die. He really believes God is killing him. Verse 16. They shall go down to the bars of the pit when our rest, when, when our rest together is in the dust. He says... Why should I listen to you dust clods who are poorly trying to comfort me because your destiny is the same of mine, a dirt nap? So if you don't have anything better to say, get lost. Now, he's not theologizing here about death or the afterlife. He's simply saying, you men are just dust if you can't give me anything better than this. Well, I really don't like what... Job is saying here, but I won't fault him too much. Because obviously he has just a glimpse of what we can now see in full bloom. No matter how dark the places may be, God tells us to walk closely with him. And we have 1 Peter 1.3, among many other places, to encourage us. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Boy, how Job would have profited if he lived in the new covenant. But, think about it. Have we profited from it? Do we think, wait a minute... Jesus has already swallowed up whole all of the misery and afflictions that all of his people will ever endure. Death. He's wept there. Temptation and depredation. He spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. You name it and he's received it. He died on the cross to bear the curse of our sins, but now he is raised and that changes everything because that means Christ is the victor. That means he is enthroned at the right hand of the Father. And that means I do have an advocate. That means I do have hope. And that means I know that all of our light momentary afflictions are working for us in eternal weight of glory. Jesus has opened heaven for us, beloved. 
The gates of the gospel will never be closed against us again. Do you need him? Call upon him now. He says, come, I am he who is dead and I am now alive evermore. I have the keys of death and hell. You hold on to me and you will always have hope because I am hope. Do you have that hope? I ask myself this. Job has been very challenging to me personally. Crossing the bridge into the new covenant, I think, if Job had known all of this, if Job had had this, if he had lived today, he would have seen things differently. But I ask, has it materially made me much of a difference in my life? Do I think about the resurrection? Paul said in Colossians 3, set your affections on things above are mine, are yours, are ours. Yes, we work, and we're not monks and nuns, and we don't embrace some silly spiritualism. But as we work, we're supposed to sing, beloved. As we struggle, we're supposed to remember, oh, Jesus has ordained this. The king has brought this into my life to sanctify or to chasten or to challenge or to somehow work good purposes in my life. I need to set my affections in him. It's been true in my life. I believe most of you would say the same thing. And we all need to hear this over and over again. That the clearer we see Jesus and the closer we, closer we walk with him in his word and in prayer, the more hope we have. And the more hope we have, the more joyful we are and the more we are able to bear with injuries. Not that we like them. Not that we don't feel the pain. That's ridiculous. Of course we do. And not that we don't weep. Of course we do. It is ridiculous to say otherwise. But in the midst of all these things, family responsibilities, the struggle against sin, the difficulties of living in a fallen world, we see Jesus and He is the Master and we are His disciples. He is the Lord and we are His servants. He is the Savior and we are the saved. He is the friend and we are His friends that He laid down His life for. And when we meditate on these things, the more we see Him and the more we love Him and the more precious He is to us as we look to Him while we are in even the furnace. This is part of the good witness that I think we need to give right now in this particular generation. I'm sure you've noticed that we live in a Band-Aid culture. Let's try to get around trouble, medicate out of our trouble, or counsel out of our trouble, or borrow out of our trouble, whatever it may be. Let's deal with why, let's not deal with why the trouble came because that would require judgment and God forbid that we would make moral judgments. We just need to be, do something to put a covering on it. Let's not really deal with the problem of teenage immorality. Let's instead put a covering over the problem like a band-aid. And that's what we do. And the problem is, of course, a lot of times, even in our own lives, and this has certainly been true of me at times, God is kind of like a last resort. He's like a safety net. Oh, I've tried everything else and it has failed, so I'll turn to God now. Do you know, 
what this tells the unbelieving world? It says, you don't trust God very much. They say, I mean, when the rubber meets the road, he's not a lot of help, is he? I've even found this somewhat in the publications that tell us of persecuted believers around the world. And there is much of this going on right now, as you well know. And there is, of course, a very real sense, as we read in Hebrews 13:2, that we are to feel ourselves in bondage with them. And I have felt that very much with the images that I have seen on the Internet. And I have been praying and crying for these precious believers. But, beloved, and hear me carefully, there is also something else that doesn't get a lot of press time. And this is difficult for us to hear. It is a privilege. It is a privilege to suffer for the name of Christ. It is a privilege. You know, we just sang it a few minutes ago in song and hymn 487. And I know today we cringe a little bit when we hear our children would be blessed if they could die for thee. You've got to be kidding me. I thought we were past all the dark stuff and persecution and plundering and beheadings. No. Oh, he has graciously delivered most of the West from them and for the last three or four hundred years. But that doesn't mean that as wickedness increases, some of that won't return in some measure. So we need to be really, really careful. Do you know how we really honor God, particularly in real daily life? You know, most Christians are not going to go on mission trips. Most people are not going to have a magazine-type life. So we honor God when we sing as we suffer. We honor God by hoping as we are dealing with temptation in our lives. We honor God as we pray in the midst of our troubles. We honor God when we are faithful in the little things every day, even if we are going through afflictions. And when it is our turn to suffer. And the ungodly say, well, you know, I thought you were a Christian. I thought your loving God would insulate you from this. No, But I have a great message for you. I'm going through a difficult stretch on my path right now. That's true. Oh, it is rough. I don't know how or when. I don't even know if God is going to deliver me from it. But I love and adore him for his goodness to me anyway. And it is a privilege for me to have these pressures brought upon my life so that I will pray more, so that I will trust him more so that I will hope in him more, so that I will love the Lord more, because the one who died, so that my wretched sins are forgiven, and that I, and I receive an eternity resting in his arms, has promised me that whatever troubles he brings me are for my good, to make me stronger and more faithful, and to keep me clinging to him. Oh, yes, this is a rough spot. We tell the people that we work with and, with, and, and our family members, And being a Christian doesn't mean I'm exempt from adversities. If anything, the Lord tests the righteous. But I trust the Lord that whatever my God ordains for me is right. And He brings good out of it every single time. Maybe I won't see it in this life, but it doesn't matter. Because I will see it in the majority of my life in heaven forever with the Lord. But I will not go there. I will not go there griping or grumbling. 
I'm not going to go there with a fairy tale expectation about life that I've created in my own mind. You want to talk about an epidemic? Oh, beloved, it's not AIDS. It is discontent. And a lot of it is created by fairy tales, unrealistic expectation of what life is supposed to be like for me. But for the righteous, we should know. We should know a different tune. And we should sing that different tune. The Lord doesn't deal with us based on the American economy. He doesn't deal with us based on what the world is doing. He deals with us as His children. And He sees the end from the beginning and every single step in between. And if we know Him through Jesus and love Him, there is something very, very different about us as Christians. We go to heaven singing and crying at the same time. John said in Revelation 1.9, I, John, who am your companion in both the tribulation and the kingdom. Beloved, it's both at the same time. Some days I'm going to cry and some days I'm going to sing. And other days I'm going to cry and sing at the same time. Because, Lord, I thank you for bringing these trials into my life. And I'm trying to learn with the apostle to rejoice when afflictions come on me. When I feel the rug has been pulled out from underneath my little life. My children, my job, finances, my marriage, whatever it may be. I'm trying to rejoice and to count it all joy, as James says, when we fall into various temptations. But I still cry. And remember, crying is good too. Because in crying, we turn to the Father. I know that some of you didn't have the type of earthly father you could cry to. I understand that. But now, there is a father that we can take our tears to through Jesus and know, and know that he says to us, in all of your afflictions, I am afflicted, and I send my angels to comfort you. And our Lord Jesus Christ says, whatever you have gone through, I'm going through too, and I am able to help you. Come to me. Don't try to walk the path by yourself. Come to me. Trust me. Job would have loved to have gone through what, 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 what Job, sorry. Job would have loved to have gone through what we went through with the promises we have now. So what, we are, what are we going to do with them? What are we going to do with those promises that God has given us? We need to lay hold of them, believe them. Just take one little step at a time. Make sure this week, Lord, I'm going to read your word every day. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to seek you every day. Oh, you don't have to give me any answers this week. You don't have to make anything really better. I just want you a little bit more this week. I just want to see your promise a little bit more clearly. Oh, if you want to answer a little tiny prayer to encourage me, I thank you. But Lord, I really want to be freed from the idolatry of thinking that life has to be on my terms or I can't be happy. I just want life on your terms because in your presence is the fullness of joy and in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us and for the struggling of your servant and how these struggles encourage us to seek you and to really examine ourselves and ask, what is our faith? 
What is our hope? What are we struggling for? When the difficulties come to us, when we are in the emergency room or we lose our job or we get sick or something else, oh, Lord, please help us to turn to you, that we would seek you with our whole heart and love you and know that you are our good shepherd. And if we are called this week to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, help us know you are with us. And make that enough for us so that it encourages us. What a privilege, Lord, it is to be called a child of the Most High. May we live up to such a high calling for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866. Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Mm-hmm.